I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 86 in which we go on the road. Um, uh, this episode I have recorded in a couple of parts because, um, <laughs> as it turned out, I was just too tired to try to do it all in one shot when I really wanted to do it. So the main part of this podcast I recorded back on Tuesday. It is now Friday, as I'm recording this, Friday, April 6, 2012. <laughs> Sorry, that's my iron calling me saying, where'd you go? I want you to come back. I've been uh, fusing away this afternoon, but more about that in a minute. Um, in any case, I'm now recording the intro and probably not an outro. I think I'm just going to do it all now. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll do an outro because I need to give all the contact information and it just doesn't feel right to do that until the end. But in any case, um, I recorded the main part of this on Tuesday, but I was completely fried. So I thought, well, I'll record it on Tuesday and then I'll get back to it and finish it up on Wednesday. And then as it turns out, uh, turns out Wednesday and Thursday became completely crazy days and I was not actually ever really home either of those two days. Um, and Wednesday... I normally teach at the Somali Community Center on Thursdays, but I switched it to Wednesday this week so that I could attend a different quilt guild meeting on Thursday. And so Wednesday, I went right from uh, teaching the Somalia, Somali English class to uh, setting up and then working with the Burma women on learning how to sew. And that was just a lot of fun. Sometime this weekend, I'm going to manage to get my blog post up with photos from that. Um, I think I mentioned that in my last episode, so I'm not going to say a lot about it this time. Um, but it was a lot of fun. We had probably about nine, I think, nine students all together. And there were five, well, that we had six volunteers, five sewing machines. I put somebody on my sewing machine so that I could just kind of float through the room. Um, and so we had to double up on some of the sewing machines. And it took us a little bit longer than I thought it would. But I had them making the... Uh, self-mitered baby receiving blankets that I posted on a blog entry a couple of weeks ago uh, from Missouri Star Quilt Company. And they actually managed to get three of them almost completely. Well, I think one person got hers completely done, maybe two. A couple others got them almost done. And so some of us took them home to just do the last, you know, slight finishing touch. It's really not much to be done. And then I still have three sets of flannels, um, flannel pairings left over that either I'll make or I'll hand them off to another group that's doing some charity quilting so that they can use them, whatever. Uh, the the one really, really touching story that I do want to share with you out of the day, it was a lot of fun. Several of the women are gung-ho now to buy their own sewing machines. And I did find out a woman in my guild, as it turns out, um, does she has experience in teaching sewing through one of our local cooperative extension programs. She's done it a lot with um, after school programs and things in the city. And she is really anxious to work with the women to teach them how to sew. So she and I are going to get together in the next few weeks and, and plan this as an ongoing thing, actually with somebody who knows what she's doing, teaching how to sew. I was kind of feeling my way as it went, but we had a lot of fun. Um, the But anyway, the, the one really touching story is one of the women that's been coming to our class, uh, I just found out this week, is actually on hospice. She is, um, she's got cancer and they really don't think she's got a lot longer to be with us. And my friend who co-leads the group has really been um, encouraging her to come to our group as often as she feels up to it because it gets her out of the house. It gives her something to do to, to take her mind off. You know, she doesn't uh, want to be just sitting around her house with nothing else to think about at this time. And so she's been part of our group and very, very participatory when she's been there. And she came to the sewing class and she worked with one of the women, one of the volunteers from my guild. Um, I believe they were one-on-one. -on -one. Like I said, we had to double up on some machines, but I think that pairing was a one-on-one -on -one pairing. And she was the first one to get hers done. And she was so pleased with it. 
And I asked her afterwards, she tried to give me the blanket, you know, she didn't realize she could keep it. And so I said, well, do you know anybody that's got a baby? And she said, my niece has a baby that's six months old. I said, then your niece needs this receiving blanket. And so she's going to give it to her niece. And, and all I could think about was what a wonderful treasure that niece is now going to have when her aunt is no longer with us. So that that was a story that just kind of, you know, it, it squeezed your heart, but it brought you joy to see the smile on her face as well while she was learning this, this skill. Um, it, that was a, a really wonderful moment. But in any case, uh, I don't want this episode to go on too, too long, and I've got more I want to talk about. So when I post that blog entry, um, I'll probably put a link to it on my regular blog because that'll go in my sabbatical blog. And uh, you can read all about it. It really was a wonderful day. But that, by the time I got home on Wednesday, it was about six thirty, seven o'clock. I was just completely out on my feet. There was no way I was going to be able to put two sentences together. So I didn't get it done Wednesday. And then Thursday, like I said, I went to another guild um, meeting and got to hear a speaker with a, a trunk show. And I apologize, I don't have her name. Um, she's more of a local speaker. She's not a national speaker, and I would have to dig to find her name. Not sure I'm going to do that because I really want to get this posted. Um, but enjoyed being, it's my BFF BQF Kate's Guild, and I have just recently joined it. But unfortunately, they do meet during the day in the work week, so I can only very, very rarely make meetings. And uh, I'm planning on in, you know, next program year, fall to um, summer 2012-2013, trying to periodically take a vacation day and just go um, here and there. Probably won't go the rest of between now and September because this is, we're getting into my really busy time with uh, work travel and work responsibilities. But in any case, had a really nice time, but that meeting goes from nine in the morning until one or so in the afternoon. And then I went from there to um, go. I was due for my cell phone upgrade and uh, went to get my new phone, and that took all freaking afternoon. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. They didn't have the one I wanted, so the guy said, well, this other guy is coming down from this other store on the other side of town. And I had half a thought to say, well, I'll just drive up there. And I thought, no, if you're going to do the driving, I'll let you do the driving. So um, they worked it out so the cell phone was going to be brought down to uh, the, the store near me. And he said, oh, I'll be here in about an hour. I said, okay, great. I'll go get some groceries. And and then I went and got groceries. And then I went and got my car washed. And then I went and just kind of toddled around a couple of stores that I'd never been in just to kill time <laughs> because the phone wasn't ringing. He still wasn't there, wasn't there, wasn't there. Um, finally, I did get my phone, got that all taken care of, didn't get home until about 5.30 again, had to put groceries away at that point. Fortunately, it was cold enough that the back of my car was basically a refrigerator. Um, so didn't get groceries put away until probably almost six o'clock. And then my husband and I had plans to go out to dinner and we had to leave at 6.30. So <laughs> that was Thursday, just done. Uh, so today I had nothing on the schedule. This is Friday now again, April, April 6th, nothing on the schedule. Um, so I spent some time this morning getting my new phone set up because, of course, that takes a while, catching up on some other stuff. And then I've been fusing. So my Sandy update um, this week, sewing-wise, is just fusing, fusing, fusing. I'm still working on my funky landscape. Um I started to, I'm I'm now at the point where the design's done and I am um, starting to stitch down the pieces. And the first couple I decided, because I had used a glue stick to glue them down, and I thought, well, I could just stitch them down now. And then I realized, no, I really can't. The glue stick wasn't enough to hold it, so I really needed to fuse them. And I've just been having no end of problems with my fusibles, and I think it's probably because they're just on the old side. From what I've been reading, fusible doesn't actually have a great shelf life. And I live in a more humid part of the world, which I think also, I mean, I shouldn't say humid part of the world because compared to the tropics, no. But <laughs> it is kind of a humid part of the U.S. other than compared to, like, Louisiana. Um But anyway, I think that affects the shelf life anyway. So it's, it's um I'm having some issues there's some stuff I'm going to have to cover up with some thread sketching, but that's okay. I'd plan on doing that anyways. But that's what I've been doing this afternoon. When I get this done and posted or in the process of posting, then I'm going to um, move on to I've designed the next border for my medallion challenge, and um, I'm doing another paper-pieced uh, border. 
and I designed the block. It's pretty straightforward, simple block. It won't take me that long, except it was too long to print on one piece of paper, so each block is actually two pieces of paper, and I'm going to have to tape them together in a way that I won't sew over my own tape, because that doesn't end well. So that's what I'm hoping to get to after I'm done fusing. I don't know if I'll get to it tonight, because, you know, people will start being home soon and want me to be with them. Um, my daughter is coming home tonight for the weekend, for Easter weekend, and then she leaves again Monday morning. My son is only going to be with us on Sunday because he's got to work this weekend, but he only has to come from an hour away. <laughs> my daughter has got like a five-hour drive, so it's a little more. I mean, for her to come home, she's got to invest several days in the process. Uh, so that's just kind of what we've got going on. Um, I am not hosting Easter dinner. We are going over to my in-law's house, so that does free me up a little bit. We've got some errands to run tomorrow, but other than that, I'm hoping to spend a fair amount of time sewing. So that is the update. A um, couple other things I wanted to let you know. Oh, well, first of all, I have an announcement to make. Woohoo! I have drawn the winner of the Karen Lee Carter giveaway, and congratulations to Jackie of So Excited Quilts. I've already emailed her, um, and then I'll probably tweet, tweet her, tweet, tweet. <laughs> I'll probably tweet her because she's on Twitter all the time. She and I are always tweeting back and forth. Uh, she did say she found Karen's interview very inspiring and um, she it was random random.org number generator that chose her name. So congratulations, Jackie. I'm really glad that you've won and I'm looking forward to being able to mail that stuff off to you as soon as I get your address. Thank you to everybody who commented on Karen's episode, uh, a few of whom were already Karen Lee Carter groupies, I believe they described themselves as, um, have taken classes with her before. There were references to being covered with feathers and glitter. I think, which really makes me want to take a Karen Lee Carter class even more than I did before. And there were, of course, a few newbies who had never um, had the opportunity to take classes before and are really now anxious to check out Karen's stuff. So uh, thanks again, Karen, for letting me talk with you and for inspiring all of us with your own story and your encouragement in our own quilt journeys. So thank you, Karen, and congratulations, Jackie. You have, when you, if you listen to this on Friday, as soon as I post it, which usually is Noni, although Noni's been having internet problems, so I don't know, um, you do still have a few hours left on the first official week of my two-year and uh, podcast anniversary giveaway. This week was the celebration of quilt podcasters, so several quilty podcasters linked up to my blog and are offering their own giveaways in celebration of podcasts and podcast anniversaries. So make sure you get your names in there. I've already gotten a tremendous number of great responses, so I'm looking forward to um, announcing the winner of my own giveaway, and then all the other podcasters will be announcing the winner of their own giveaway sometime this weekend or in the next few days as well. Uh, keep an eye out because next week I am doing a giveaway as well. And it's Aurafil week, so get ready. Watch for my blog over the weekend. I'll probably post the new, schedule the new one to post on Sunday. Um, thank you also again for the survey that we're doing on Big Ten. I'm up to about 19 responses now. They are very good, very thoughtful responses. I really appreciate it. Still analyzing the data, so you still have time to get your opinion in if you would like. Sometime this week, I'll really look over that stuff, and we'll be in touch with some other folks on what we might be doing from here. Um, and then the only other new thing that I've got going on, Pardon me, I have to pause and close my window. It's a gorgeous day out, a little bit cool, but pretty. But the dog in the neighbor's yard just started really raising heck. So <laughs> I've got to close my window just a minute. Okay, I'm back. Um, Where was I? Oh, I have been taking a class through Craftsy. Now, you've heard me talking before. A lot of folks in my guild, and I know some of you too, have been doing the free block of the month class through Craftsy and have really been loving it. Um, I'm not doing a block of the month because I've just got too many other things I really want to be focused on right now. But what I did sign up for in March, they were having a 50% off sale on their classes. And so I actually bought two of them and one workshop <laughs> while everything was on sale. And now I'm work working my way through those. And the two I bought were Wendy Butler Burns's Art Quilting 101. The second one is Painted Pictorial Quilts with Annette Kennedy. So they're both art quilt kind of things. 
and one is specifically about using paints. And as you know, I've been playing a lot with Shiva paint sticks. Of course, once I bought her class and I read through the class supplies and everything, she doesn't actually use Shiva paint sticks. She uses other fabric paints. So I'll, you know, probably end up spending more money <laughs> on more of that kind of stuff. But in any case, um, I've been taking, uh, right now I'm working my way through Art Quilting 101, and I really, really love the Craftsy platform for taking online classes. I've always liked Quilt University, as you know. What I like about Craftsy is it's got some of the same feel to it, but it's got video, um, and you actually get a lot of bang for your buck, like the, the, um, the, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm still very tired. The Art Quilting 101 class with Wendy Butler Burns is nine sessions, each of which has a fairly lengthy video. The first two were both, I think, 45 minutes each. So, and that's all I've worked through now. I don't know, you know, if everyone is that long, but the videos are fairly long. And then, um, you know, you've got, it's not so much homework, but you've got stuff you're doing to play with whatever she's teaching you as she goes. And they have class lists and places where you can take notes and places where you can post questions. Um, and I don't have the impression there's as much of a time limit on it as there is on Quilt University. There is still, you have access to the class um, for a fairly long time. Whether or not you've got access to the uh, teacher of the class, it depends on when the t what the teacher's contracted time is versus when you bought the class. So like one of them um, mentioned right on her class thing, she's contracted through next October, um, well, I just bought the class now, so that means I've got access to her through next October. I probably have the class for longer than that. So I would really recommend if you have an opportunity to um, do a craftsy class, go ahead and try it on. They're, try it out. <laughs> They're really good. They're very well formatted. The user interface is really nice. My only quibble, and, you know, this is just a, a quibble with iPad because Apple doesn't like to deal with Flash and that kind of stuff, but... Craftsy specifically made it so you can't watch the video on your iPad. You can access everything else. You just can't watch the video. And I really don't understand that. It says on there there's something. It's it's. I assumed it was a flash thing to start, but then they have a notice on there to say something about to make this com compatible with um, mobile devices or make it smaller. I don't remember what it was. It seemed to be something that Craftsy had done to say, we don't want this to take long to load or anything like that. But you know, part of what I really like having about an iPad is having the portability, and it bothers me that I can't fully do my Craftsy class on my iPad. So Craftsy, if you're listening, that would be a nice touch. I don't like the fact that now I'm back to being locked to my computer while I'm taking that class. Uh, but other than that, I'm really enjoying the classes themselves. And the workshop I signed up for was a Peppercory workshop on Sashiko after watching her episode on The Quilt Show. Um, the, the workshops have no video, There's but there's plenty of pictures with very clear instructions and patterns and stuff. So, um, you know, I recommend those two. They're much less expensive than the workshops, so maybe that's a good entry-level way for you to get into Craftsy. All right, uh, listener comments. Um, not a lot of listener comments this week because everybody is far too busy entering all the giveaways, <laughs> which I don't blame you. There was some good stuff up there from the other podcasters and from me. So, uh, but I did want to share with you a few. Jay had commented on episode 84, um, in which we talk with Tiffany of Quilter's Corner. She says, I really tried to listen to the quilting as a dangerous sport portion of the podcast. Thank you for putting it at the end, <laughs> which if you remember, I did pretty much because Jay had said she was queasy. Um, and she said she was not able to get all the way through it. Um, she said, uh, I hope others enjoyed it. Enjoyed might not be quite the right word. <laughs> so, Jaya, thank you for trying, anyway. Um, Claire left a comment saying uh, to... Um, oh, this was one of the comments on episode 83 in which we talked with Karen Lee Carter. She said, I was delighted to hear you were doing The Artist's Way. I have just completed it as an online study group with Annie Smith. And you know what, Claire? I had seen that she was going to do one um, starting in January, and then I was watching, and I never saw her announce when it started. So I missed it. Um, or I saw her start one during the day, but she was going to do one in the evening. There was something in there that I just, I never saw it start. So I've just been doing it on my own. Um, but Claire said that Claudia in Germany was in her group too, which is pretty cool to see, you know, multiples of our listeners all coming together in a, in a group like that. Um, 
And Claire said she could see me leading a group someday. Maybe. Let me get through it first. Uh, Heather emailed me, and it was fun, Heather, reading your email, because I really do remember when you first emailed me way back two years ago when we all got started in this. Uh, Heather was a brand brand new quilter at that point, and um, she was just working with a pair of dollar store scissors and a few old shirts. She says, silly me, I thought rotary cutters and actual cotton fabric was a mere marketing ploy, and I say that with only half sarcasm. <laughs> Needless to say, all that has changed. Um, she now has another roommate in her 450-square-foot apartment, a fabric stash, and not one but three cutters, mats, and notions. So, Heather, sounds like you have fully embraced the, uh, the world of quilting. And thank you for sticking with me for two years, and I'm glad that you are still quilting. Looking forward to seeing pictures of what you're doing. Um, I also had an email from Brenda, and uh, I do also remember, Brenda, we apparently have a common friend. One of the women from my guild uh, knows Brenda, and they are um, all part of another quilting buddy group. And uh, so, yes, Brenda, I definitely do remember hearing about you and looking forward to maybe someday actually meeting you, since you're more or less in my neck of the woods. Paula left a comment on one of the blogs on my post where I was talking about the sew day, the one where I uh, posted the picture of all the flannel I bought. And she said, when you buy flannel, you really buy flannel, <laughs> which is true. She made that same receiving blanket for her new great-grandson, and she said she found the one way you can mess it up. And Paula, we had a few of these same errors made during our sewing um, lesson as well. When you miter the corners, you really have to make sure you put the straight edge of the ruler on the fold, at which, if you look at the video, you know what they're talking about. Because if you place it on the wrong side, you end up with a strange corner. And what happens is, rather than a mitered corner on the border, when you flip it all inside out, you actually end up with sort of a cup. And so on the ones on our sewing day, when we had a few that ended up with that cup, we decided it just turned it into a hooded blanket. So we were good with it. So you just, you just got to watch that part. That's the one thing I always make sure I fold it the same way. I face it the same way on the table, according you know, where my body is. The um, two edges that you fold together are facing me. So that puts the folded edge away from me. And the dog ear is facing to my left. And as long as I have it facing like that, I put the ruler in the right place and I draw the right line every time. If I try to flip it over and draw, do it in any other direction, I cannot figure it out. So um, consistency is really important on that. So um, I believe that was all my listener comments that I wanted to share this week. Yep. And uh, thank you to everybody for commenting. Those of you who are still waiting to enter into the uh, podcast anniversary giveaway this week, you've got moments left. <laughs> so make sure you do that. And um, if you haven't, you know, just wait for next week. And like I said, next week is Aurafil week. And I'm really excited. I've got uh, Aurafil has been a wonderful sponsor. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that wealth. So thank you very much. Um, and I think that'll be it. I'm going to end this part here. This will be the introduction. Then we'll do the Textiles of Exile explanation of where I've been lately. And then I will come back at the very end and give you my contact information. Okay, this part of um, the podcast I'm recording on Tuesday, April 3rd, 2012. I'm going to be recording this in parts because I'm really too tired still right now to try to record an entire episode. So I think what I'm going to be doing is recording part of it tonight and then part of it tomorrow afternoon after I get home or tomorrow evening. I've got a long day tomorrow and hopefully I'll be posting it tomorrow night. Um, I'll just leave myself enough to just do kind of intro and outro tomorrow. Mostly what I want to talk about in today's, in this part of the episode is what I was actually doing last weekend. And I didn't say much about this before I went because it all sort of came up um, it kind of quickly and I wasn't really sure everything was going to come together until it did. Uh, but I did end up going um, out of town last weekend to North Carolina State University. They were having a special exhibit called Textiles of Exile. And uh, let's see, I've got the sign in front of me here. Textiles of Exile, Fiber Arts Made by Immigrants, Refugees, and Displaced Persons, which if you've been listening to my podcast for any time at all, you know those are special areas of interest to me, immigrants, refugees, displaced persons, um, and also textiles. And in fact, that's what my entire sabbatical was about. 
So I found out about this exhibit because Francis of Off Quilter Quilt, who knows what my sabbatical is about, shot me an email once a few weeks ago and said, hey, you might be interested in this exhibit. And I really was, as I looked at the, the description of it, um, and she had sent me like a little online newspaper clipping kind of announcement of it. And as I looked at it, I was like, you know, this is really what my sabbatical was about. And I really wanted to try to make it work to get down there. And, and I was able to finally work it out, which was a lot of fun. And of course, I did get to see Francis of Off Kilter Quilt there as well. Um, she, uh, I met the man and the boys and the dog, Travis. <laughs> So uh, that was always, that was kind of fun. Again, it's always fun to be able to put faces to these folks and dogs that you hear about. Um, but really, my purpose to be down there was for the exhibit, and it was really an incredible exhibit. So I wanted to make sure I said something about it immediately, because it is still going on. And if any of you are um, within driving distance or easy traveling distance of North Carolina State University, uh, the one in Raleigh, I don't know if they have other branches, some state universities do. Um, it's at the Gregg Museum of Art and Design, and it is there through May 12th, so you've still got some time. It's a smallish exhibit, but it's really moving, and they have a booklet that you can take with you to walk through it. Um, it probably took me, oh, I think it took me maybe an hour and a half to, to work my way through the whole exhibit, but that was, I mean, I was reading every single word of the booklet. Um, if you've got kids with you, you know, you could probably do it faster, but I found it really, really intensely moving. It had, um, um, now you're going to hear me thumbing through the booklet. The, <laughs> I was, I was the only person there when I uh, was actually visiting and the woman that was the, um, kind of the security, well, she was a security guard, but she was kind of manning, personing the um, art museum. And she was so excited that to have somebody there, <laughs> I think, first of all. But also when I mentioned that I'd come all the way down from New York just to see this exhibit, she started handing me all sorts of stuff. And she did give me one of the photocopies of the booklet to take home. Um, not sure she was supposed to do that, but I didn't argue. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, but anyway, the, the, um, Let's see, what can I excerpt from here? Textiles of Exiles explores the theme of homelessness, the search for home, um, the displacement or removal of one group by another, um, and suffering and healing as well. And it explores these themes through a range of fiber techniques, such as sewing, beading, embroidering, knitting, braiding, weaving, and quilting. While the results are often decorative and their subjects contemporary, the messages they convey are as held fat, far, as, are as held, <laughs> I can't talk, told you, still tired, are as heartfelt and serious and as old as the human story itself. That's directly from the introduction to it. Um, there were some beautiful beaded works from an artist in Haiti about the, um, about the earthquake and the, the after, uh, the aftermath of the earthquake and they had a tremendous amount of symbolism in them and I was really thrilled to have the booklet with me because I was not familiar with some of the symbols that are in there but the the work itself was just intricately it was all seed beads and but it was the entire this wasn't just an embellished quilt the beads were the images it was fully beaded and um now they don't have the measurements here I would put one of the pieces was probably two feet by three feet, maybe. I mean, so those these weren't tiny little pieces. They were, they were fairly sizable pieces. And like I said, completely covered in beads. The, the amount of work that went into this artwork was just astounding and made the overall impact of the symbolism and, and what the message was of these. There were two works by the same artist, um, was just, you know, those were right out front as you walk into the exhibit. And it took me a good 10 minutes to get beyond those <laughs> into seeing the rest of the exhibit. They were really tremendous. Um, there were works from South Africa, uh, Mapulas, and those are from um, a Mapula, Mapula embroideries reflect the stories of daily life in South Africa. Um, Mapula means mother of rain, implying a good harvest and feminine power. The Mapula Embroidery Project, which was the group um, that all of these these particular works came out of, was founded in 1991 to provide a source of income for poverty-stricken women in the Winterveld region. 
and I can't pronounce the rest of it, but it's northwest of Pretoria. And it started with a handful of women, but it now involves more than 100 embroiderers, embroiderers. And I looked it up on the internet, and they've got works now that are in museums all across the world. Uh, and there, um, theirs were definitely embroidery. And they depict things such as um, funerals, too, the uh, depicted funerals. One depicted um, F.W. de Klerk who was the last white president of South Africa, who was in office when the apartheid policy officially ended. And the fourth one of those was um, of the September 11th, 2001 terror attack on America. And um, all of these, again, filled with symbolism and just storytelling and just, you just stare at each one of them to see all that's going on and all that's been included in those works. Very, very powerful. Um, they also had, and these were, uh, how do I say this? I have been, um, exposed to embroidery story quilts and, um, story quilts, uh, particularly like Hmong story quilts, which there were some, and I'll talk about those in a minute. A lot of that kind of thing at other exhibits or in books, you know, this being an area of interest of mine, I've studied these before, but there were two parts of this exhibit that I just never even thought about before. And one was prison art. And these are arts by prisoners, artworks by prisoner in the U.S. Um, a, a variety, let's see, I think in this case, the four works of art. I'm sorry, I guess there were three works of art and they were by two different men. Um, again, they, prisoners cannot have traditional art supplies. They can't have anything sharp. They can't have anything that could feasibly either be turned into a weapon or used to harm themselves. So just the ingenuity of what materials they used was impressive in, it, in and of itself. But then the artwork was astounding and very, very moving. Um, one was a, a work of art I don't think it says what he actually used. It might have been colored pencils that he was using in here, some sort of um, color piece, but he drew it on the back of his shirt. That was the canvas that he used, was his clothing. Um, there was another one, <coughs> the other artist, excuse me, it says, in 1988, after a year in prison, he noticed that the lid of, the plastic, of a plastic container was roughly the size and shape of the hoop his grandmother had used for doing embroidery. Cutting the rim from the container, he stretched a handkerchief across it and then began unraveling a pair of striped nylon tube stocks to obtain multicolored dyed thread. Over the next eight years, when he was paroled for good behavior, Matterson, the, the prisoner, perfected an obsessive embroidery technique that employs some 1,200 stitches per square inch not only helping to combat the tedium of prison, but also helping him put his own life in perspective. And the two works that were included by him, one depicted his own addiction to cocaine um, in a very graphic way, and then the other one depicts an aging con confronting his graying hair and creeping baldness in a mirror while taking a sad sidelong glance at a picture from his former life as a husband and father death in the guise of a prison guard awaits in the corridor outside the cell. So just from those descriptions, you can see that these these really, each one of these works really take some time to contemplate and to take in. Um, and then again, it, particularly in the, in the prison art, and then um, the other one was um, art from people in mental institutions. And again, the same restrictions. They did not have access to traditional art supplies in a lot of cases, and so had to come up with their own way to create art. Um, and just the both the results and the process really just made me think and ponder <laughs> and reflect for some time as I was looking at, at these things. Um, I'll get to the, the mental health in a minute. There was also um, from the Voices of Women organization in South Africa, and I really apologize, I cannot pronounce the name of the project, Amazwi, uh, uh, no, can't even try it. Um, 
I will try to post links <laughs> on the show notes of the episode. Uh, but again, this was another organization set up um, to teach women embroidery that they could not only express themselves and find healing through self-expression, but then also create works of art that could be purchased and help support them and bring them out of poverty. Um, and in this case, these, these works... Um, Let's see. Each participant was asked to interpret a day I will never forget, however painful. And these are referred to as memory cloths, and they bring about healing through shared truth-telling. And so, um, you know, one of the works is about a woman seeing her uncle killed um, in violence. Another one um, was her mother was abused by her employers, um, and that depicts that. Uh, another one is um, a family being chased by young boys with guns who were part of the um, enemy troops. And um, the fourth one was people living in hiding in fear in the bushes after being attacked. And then another one was of a massacre at a, uh, at a school. No, this is not an easy exhibit to go to. It really isn't. Um, these works are difficult to see, but I think they are so crucial to our world for these stories to be told and for those of us who work in textiles to see how people do express themselves through textiles is very moving and inspiring as well. Um, there was work from the Zimbabwe Artist Projects. Uh, there were the, I already mentioned the Hmong Story Clause. Uh, Hmong, spelled H-M-O-N-G, if you're not familiar with them, they're an Asian ethnic group who were in um, Laos, Vietnam, and Thailand, and I believe parts of China, and through a series of events, including the Vietnam War and conflicts after that, many of them did become displaced and refugees, and there are now significant Hmong communities here in the U.S. as well. Um, and they began creating story quilts oh, a while back. They've been doing it. Let's see if I can find a date. I can't. I'm sorry, but this, story quilts have been around for a while. Um, and again, it's a way at first for them to preserve their own cultural stories um, and their histories, but then also stories of the conflict and stories of their lives. Um, the, the story clause, there were three or four that were in the exhibit. One was of a wedding. Other ones were of their exile, um, their time in refugee camps. Um, there were also a series of quilts that were made from let's see, um, Native Americans and Mexicans that were part of, I'm trying to find the name of the organization for this one too, Threads of Life. That's primarily for um, women who are in uh, of Mexican descent living in the U.S., in uh, California particularly. And the group is called Los Hijos de la Vida. Threads of Life, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I know I saw some of their, I've, one or two of these I actually recognized, I believe, from Houston in 2008. No, I'm sorry, 2010, whenever I was there last, 2010. Um, I think we're from this organization. There were some new ones that I had not seen. Uh, but several quilts depicting border crossings, depicting life in America, depicting life in Mexico, depicting their own hopes, hopes and dreams for themselves, for their families, their fears, uh, their losses, the family members that they have lost and the lost. Um, there were also works from Palestinian refugees in Syria and uh, funerals and prayers for peace and um, depictions of the exodus as their exodus. And then coming to America, um, their their arrival here in the United States, if they did, if they indeed are here in the U.S. Um, again, several. There's another organization. Um, let's see, their work is marketed through ANAT, a nonprofit cooperative based in Damascus. If I can find links for these, I will post them in the show notes. Um, there were, I'm trying to, let's see, then there was a special part of the exhibit were war rugs from Afghanistan and Pakistan. Um, again, part of an organization, and I can't find the name of the organization quickly enough, I'm sorry, but these are, you know, there is um, obviously 
if you're at all aware of rugs, um, woven rugs, there are beautiful rugs in, traditionally in Afghanistan and Pakistan. And after, um, in the, the battles of the last few decade, I guess last decade, uh, there has been now a production of some rugs with uh, war-related themes, and these were some of those um, rugs were there. Navajo weaving in Arizona and New Mexico. There there weren't very many of those. There were only a couple in this um, exhibit. Uh, but again, they, they related to um, the uh, war themes, political events. Um, it does say, which I didn't realize... Um, Native Americans have the highest record of military service per capita of all ethnic groups in the country. In times of war, their donations to the Red Cross and other relief organizations are proportionally greater than those of Americans, too, um, which I did, was not aware of those statistics, and it, it made me look at these two particular um, quilt, uh, rugs a little bit differently when I knew that. Um, there was also art in Connecticut prisons. Again, these are prisoners' art. And and what was phenomenal about these was um, they're made out of Raymond noodles, bags, plastic bags. And you wouldn't know it. When I was across the room, I thought they were some sort of tile, you know, small ceramic um, beads or, you know, sort of like um, tennis bracelets, you know, the square uh, charms that go into tennis bracelets. That's what they look like from a distance. And then when I got up there and, and was reading the booklet, they're Raymond noodle bags that have been formed into jewelry boxes, tote bags, baby shoes, all sorts of amazing things. Um, and then there was one uh, prisoner who had created these really wonderful, he had crocheted this uh, heart-shaped ornament that says, I love you on it, and then two baby um two baby shoes and they were made from um let's see i think they were also made from blankets yes uh blankets that he had unraveled to have the threads in order to make these crochet works and then the the last one in that exhibit was a beautiful rose bouquet made completely out of toilet paper because again for the prisoner um he was actually in solitary confinement and in shackles and could not he had access to nothing, and so he created this bouquet of roses out of toilet paper. And then, like I said, the the one the other one that really um, touched my heart particularly was mental hospital art from the U.S. Um, and again, you know, it talks about uh, the first part of this is. Um, the, the exile, many people with mental illness, especially those that do end up institutionalized, they feel exiled uh, from family and friends. And, and until fairly recently in our societal history, it was something taboo to talk about. So, there, you know, families might institutionalize somebody and then never talk about that person again. Fortunately, fortunately, we are no longer in, as far as I know, no longer in that societal um attitude but you know this is still some of these works of art came from some time ago 1940s 1950s and there was this one coat it's called a uh, merlin's coat in merlin is spelled m-y-r-l-l-e-n and in 1948 a schizophrenic women woman was admitted to um a state a hospital in knoxville tennessee she soon began shredding rags into colored thread and begging hospital staff to give her a sewing needle. In the space of seven years, she created several garments, all densely embroidered with images and glossolalic text. Glossolalic text is um, that they're, they're words that just as you read them make no uh, comprehensible sense to us, but we don't know what they meant to her. You know, it's just kind of stream of consciousness, but no actual, in some cases, not even words, collections of letters, collections of numbers, um, what would seem to us random. But she was embroidering these um, constantly. And it's it's really, really, the, they had this coat on display. And it, when they say densely, I mean, I mean, no space showing whatsoever between the images and the, the words. And the coat's just covered. Um, and it, it does say that, you know, a lot of the clipboard notes kept by her doctors dismissively summarize that she sews without purpose and is non-productive. Um, 
but this this code is just oh my uh, you know i it, words fail me i can't even describe it could i say it was beautiful not necessarily i mean it's not beauty in our traditional sense of beauty um individual images were beautiful within it um but the the whole thing all over <coughs> excuse me is beautiful in the story that it tells of this woman um of her suffering of her sense of her reality as she was creating um and the i mean i'm only touching on some of the the highlights those were um all that that were contained within the exhibit but each one of those categories had several within it um i i really and i'm still pondering i just got home last night i saw the exhibit on sunday um got home monday night and i'm still pondering quite a bit uh what what are my takeaways uh, to put it in alexanderson terms i guess um from having seen the exhibit um certainly still some things i'm thinking through and uh words that come back to me and images that come back to me of having seen that exhibit um it really was very powerful for me and and part of that is because i'm so deeply immersed in in the worlds of some of the folks um uh, you know the refugee and immigrant populations uh, particular cultures that i've been working with quite a bit and hearing their stories and 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 being allowed to um i guess just hear the stories i can't even begin to say i understand them of of what some of the folks that i work with have been through but to see these uh textile expressions of history of story of feeling of grief and loss but off, also of tremendous hope and in in some cases even joy um yeah i'm i'm just still kind of thinking that through so I would really again anybody who lives within reach of this exhibit should go see it. And um if you don't live within reach of this exhibit, I would encourage you to see, seek out like exhibits even if it's not this particular topic. Any textile exhibit you can go see on any theme or even if it's just a collection of a particular person's work or a particular style of work. Um the impact it has on you and your quilt making can't even begin to be predicted. You don't know until you're standing in front of it. You know, sometimes it's we as you know, we all go to quilt shows, we get ideas, we get inspiration, um we see the vendors, but I think sometimes we don't think so much about um exhibits that might be in other places, the art museums, the um in the, in this case it's an art museum but it's at a college and By the way, I I've been very impressed as I was looking through their listing of exhibits they've had at this at North Carolina State at the Greg Museum. Um I'm I'm thinking I need to check out the colleges near me cuz there was some really good stuff <laughs> going on at that museum. And um I realized I don't often really pay attention to what's going on at our local campus art collections and I need to pay better attention um because there really is some very fascinating stuff out there. And all of it just informs who you are and what you do the more of that you can expose yourself to so that's mostly what i wanted to talk about in this episode was my experience going to that particular exhibit um for me it did help sort of coalesce some thoughts that have been kind of flitting around in my head very loosey goosey and unconnected to one another <laughs> during my sabbatical time sort of they all started coming together into a a much more comprehensive and understandable message to me of of where my quilt making is heading at least for the season for the next little while um but i'm i'm not going to talk about that much now probably a little more later as i'm more able to put some things into words and also try to put some things into practice to see if this feels right if this is really where i'm heading um but i again i would really encourage you if you find out or or get yourself on mailing lists or subscribe to blogs whatever you need to do to find out what's going on in the art community in your area and check out exhibits particularly if they have anything to do with um textiles but really any kind of exhibit uh, the other thing i've been getting an awful lot of a lot out of during my sabbatical is watching the great courses lectures on impressionist art um that's really been making me think an awful lot about color align balance all of these design principles that um jay and i have been talking about on episodes here and that i'm studying in my design study group um those have really been very helpful to me as well so again just you know get yourself out there go to a museum 
go see a special exhibit and and just see keep an open mind see what it might have to do with your quilt making it might not have anything to do with your quilt making it might never change what you do but that's okay you know it's okay for us to keep doing what we're doing um but it still will have expanded you in some way so that's kind of I, i'm still i'm exhausted <laughs> like i said um, but i'm still really on a high from having seen that exhibit um, and still really pondering what i saw and what it does mean to me ultimately as a quilt person as a quilt artist if i can call myself that um, as somebody who works with fabrics myself and has my own story to tell so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I guess I'll leave it here uh, for now. It's getting close to dinner time, and I did want to get a little sewing done today, although I had to spend so much time catching up on email and some internet stuff. Um, I haven't really gotten to that. So I will put a, a, a prelude and postlude. Sorry, I guess <laughs> that's the churchy in me coming out. Um, I, I will put an, an intro and an outro onto this episode um, at a later date and also do some announcements like um, I'm going to be doing the drawing for the Karen Lee Carter giveaway that ended on March 31st. So um, I've got some comments I need to go through and draw who won that. And um, I'll be doing some other announcements and filling you in on a few other things that are going on with me right now as well. So um I guess that's it for this segment. Okay, and now we're just finishing it up. So thank you very much for listening to my rather disjointed episode. <laughs> I really, I do not do as well at the uh, recording in parts as some other podcasters do, like Francis. And I believe Noni has done that a few times. So I apologize if I repeated myself, etc. In any case, if you would like to leave comments on this episode or really any episode. You can do that in a number of ways. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow my blog at quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest. You can friend me on Goodreads. You can like our group on Facebook, Quilting for the Rest of Us. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can um, also now, of course, join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Seamed Up, and I also have a donation quilt group over there, and you can friend me on Seamed Up, Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. And you can find me in all sorts of other places online as Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. I would be willing to guess that pretty much anywhere you see that moniker, it's me. Not necessarily. You might want to ask. Um, but in any case, those are all the things you can do. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team as well. And you will find links for all of that and more at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Don't forget, there's a giveaway every week this month, so be uh, subscribed to the blog so that you don't miss the fun and the opportunities to win wonderful things. And again, you've got a few hours left on the podcasters giveaway this week with all the links to a bunch of other podcasters who have wonderful give goodies they're giving away, as well as uh, my own. And then next week, or a fill week, and other wonderful stuff coming after that. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out with me for two years and looking forward to at least another year. So until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.